you, man can plan, right? But God directs his steps, right? So I don't even know how many series or messages we planned it to be. Um, it's not about getting through the series. It's about the series getting through to you. So if it's 200 parts, so be it. <laughs> right? It won't be that long. Um, but the importance of God's church. Uh, this, is, this is God's design. The idea of believers coming together, worshiping, giving, using your gift set, learning how to do the Christian life out in the real world. This is God's design. This is not man's design. And we've been trying to impress upon you that, that this is so much more than just coming to church on Sunday. It's bigger than that. There are people all over the place that are meeting, gathering at their church, and for a lot of people, it's, it's Sunday. That's why we went. You check it off the box, right? They don't think anything else about anything that was said or done or the people until next Sunday. Unless there's somebody having a barbecue midweek. <laughs> but church is so much more than that. It is God's design where God specifically is going to work among us as believers to make us more like Jesus Christ. And on top of that, he's going to give you gifts that you can use to build one another up. Now, let's just remember, we said last week, all theology has outworkings. It's not just about truth. It's like, now, what does it look like, right? So as we're going through this series, we're, we're going to constantly be looking at hope, our context and say, all right, we're learning what the church is. Does hope fit what God says the church ought to be? we got to do self-evaluation. We have to. We can't just keep going through the motions. Once, we, once God has opened up our mind to truth, now the next question should be, okay, God, I understand your truth. Now how do I walk in it? Application should always come out of good theology. Amen? So as we continue to go through this series, I, I hope and pray that you will be praying, God, give me understanding of your design for the church. Because if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are part of God's church. And with that being said, it's more than just coming and sitting on Sunday morning. We got one amen this time, y'all. Let's see. Two, three. All right, here we go. <laughs> So let's ask God's blessing as we continue to, to walk through this. Father, thank you so much for the church. Father, we can only call ourselves the church because of Jesus Christ, the work on the cross, him saving us, Father. So we pray, God, that you would help us here at Hope to just realign our thinking with yours. Father, we just don't want to be another gathering. We just don't want to be another church that just meets on Sunday. But we want to walk in the fullness of what it means to be a called out group of believers. So, Father, please continue to give us understanding, give us wisdom, and then the application of what we need to do differently. So we thank you in Christ's name. Amen. So. Sarah, let's skip over to 13. I think it's slide 13 is where we left off at.
because we started looking at these images of the church. These images of the church. And there are a number of different images that God gives us in his word in relation to the church. Why so many different images? Well, I think part of it is, one, because God's church is dear to him. And he needs us to understand what does it mean to be part of the church, the gathering of called out believers. There is a distinct way that God has for us to interact with one another. We all have family relations, right? You think about your family. We have some of those family members that we're okay seeing once a year. <laughs> we have other family members when they show up unannounced, you're like, hey, hey. Other ones, you're like, oh, you know, I was just about to go. I'm sorry. <laughs> Come on, don't look at me like I'm the only one in a family like this. We, right? But when it comes to God's family, Believers, we ought to be walking in love towards one another. I, I know that the, the, our families out in the world, our biological families, there might be all kinds of drama and stuff going on and people not talking. And uh, counseled a guy in, in his 60s one time, and, and, he, and I said, your brother, you said you had a brother. When's the last time you guys talked? He said, we haven't talked in 30 years because of a dispute that happened in the family, right? I don't have to tell you. We have all these kind of stories with our natural family, right? Unfortunately, that mindset comes into God's house, and it is totally unbiblical. There should never be division among God's people. Why? Because if we understand that it is, it is because of the blood of Jesus Christ that we can be called a child of God, then what is it that I can hold against you and not move towards you for reconciliation and forgiveness in light of what Jesus did for me? And that's lost in so many churches. So you have little cliques, little cliques. This person doesn't talk to this person. This person doesn't talk to this person. Well, he offended me by something he said. Okay. I understand that. But we all offended God as we came to Christ and forgave him. So is your standard now higher than God's standard? See, if you understand that the church is a blood-bought group of people, then we, we, we should be striving for unity. Now, understand, some of that might take, oh, look, i got to sit down with this person, all right? Let, let's get a pastor involved. Let, but let's resolve this because we're God's people, and we're called to come together, love one another, build one another up in the faith, Right? And be a light to this world. I think I mentioned to you before, you know, you hear people say, man, we, we, we need a revival, right? We need a revival. The world's so dark. The world's so dark. Man, we need a revival. No, we don't. We don't need a revival. You say, what? Pastor, how can you say that? Easy. Watch. Let me say it again. We don't need a revival. You know what we need? We need the church to start being the church. We're always looking for something on the outside to get the culture back where it needs to be. We're the ones that are the light. Like, we're here. The Holy Spirit is here. Like, like be the light. Be the salt. Right? We, we don't need some fancy thing happening from the outside. Well, we could bring Bishop Dr. So-and-so in. He could turn this town upside down. Excuse me? 
What if God's people just start being God's people and letting the love of Christ be seen in the dark community, right? The church is God's desire. And we stopped here last week, but notice again the, the, the family, this image of a family of a church. Don't rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. You see the familial language. Younger men as brothers. Older women as mothers. Younger women as sisters in all purity. Honor widows who are truly widows. In other words, the church is a family. We talked about this last week, right? You and I are in relation to one another. There ought to be a familial love that we have for one another. Let's go on to the image of God's seal. The image of God's seal. 1 Corinthians 3, 5 and 9. What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor, for we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, and then he says God's building. Now, in the greater context here, what's going on? There's division in this church. The Corinthian church is dividing. They had a lot of different issues. One is that they're dividing amongst themselves in schism over what? Over leadership. Notice what he says. Who's Apollos? Who's Paul? Later on in the book, he brings Cephas into the conversation. See, they were dividing and they were aligning their allegiance to men rather than God. Kind of might sound like this. Well, I'm a pastor of men. Well, I'm a pastor of God. We don't think that way in our church, right? Amen? We better not think that way in this church. We'd kick you out. No, <laughs> we're sitting having conversations with you. Right? But it, it's so easy to start aligning yourself to men because of what? Personality. Well, I just like the way, and this is what they were doing. And, and, and Paul has to correct them, and notice how he describes his position, even as an apostle. What are we? We're, we're nothing but slaves. We're servants through whom you believe. But then notice he says, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll unpack this more as far as the gift set, but, but look what he says. When it comes to us as servants, we're doing what God has assigned us to do. God has gifted us to be your shepherd. Amen? That doesn't make me better than you, and it doesn't make one shepherd better than the other. We're just walking in the role that he's given us, the gift set that he's given us. So Paul said, why are you guys making a big deal over us? We're nothing but slaves. <laughs> We're working in God's field as slaves, as servants. 
And notice how he says that neither he who plants, there's the analogy of the, the, the field, the agriculture analogy, the one who plants and the one who waters, guess what? They're nothing. <laughs> Again, he's not saying it's not of value because God has given them the gift to plant and another one to water. Amen? The point is he's addressing a larger issue of these people trying to put men on pedestals. You're not thinking right about the church. The church is like a field, and God has one planting over here, one is watering, one over here is pulling weeds, one over here is setting up the decorations, one's putting a gazebo over here. We all got different roles, none better than the other. And notice what he says, so one plants, one waters, but only God gives the growth. See, if we understood that. Nothing of eternal value will happen at Allentown Hope without God giving the increase. Not because of Emmanuel, not because of Ron. We ain't that good. It's God. We're going to labor. We're going to do what God has called us to do. But at the end of the day, this is, this is God's field. God has to open up the eyes. God has to produce fruit. Amen? And so he's trying to let them know, listen, each one will receive wages according to his work. So there is a call to be faithful to what God has called you to do. I, I, I praise God because as, as Emmanuel and I talk about just like what does it mean to be a shepherd, the fact that we can hold each other accountable, right, and say, hey, brother, is that, is that, that what it, wait, is that, hold on, wait a minute. Well, guess what? You should be doing the same thing. Now, again, we'll get there, right? What has God called you to do? Uh-oh. Well, I, I, I thought it was uh, I, I thought it was just about us coming and sitting here and you guys tell us what to do. And you, Well, no, 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 no. God has equipped each one of you. Do you believe that? God has given each and every one of you a gift. Jesus has equipped each and every one of you with something to do. For the uniqueness of what? Building up this local body. Are you using it? Do you even know what it is? If we're not plugged into that, guys, we're outside the design and the purpose of the church. Now, how many people do you know go to church on Sunday and then they go home and that's it? There's no other connection that they have with that local body. Using their gift to build up and edify. He gave gifts that we might build up and edify one another. Are we doing that? And if we're not, we're not functioning as God's church was designed to function. We have our roles Equip the saints. Our job is to equip you, to build you up in the faith and encourage you and shepherd you. Yep, absolutely. But to do what? Just feel good? Just say, oh, that was a good sermon. No, that you might build one another up. That you might grow in your faith as you are provoking others to good works. See, God's design is so different 
than, than, than what we see happening in most churches. Paul here again is rebuking them for trying to make it about man. He says, listen, we each will receive our wages according to what God has called us to do, our labor. But we are God's fellow workers. You're the fields. We're the workers. You're God's building. We have our role. We're doing it. But there's a role that you have. Stop looking at what we're doing and aligning yourself with us. Align yourself with God. And say, now, God, what do you have for me to do? The image of a builder. Let's look at the next one. Again, he's already alluded to this at the end of the last passage. For we are God's fellow workers, he goes on. You are God's field, God's building. Now notice how he brings in this metaphor of a building. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation. And someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is who? Jesus Christ. Now notice, notice think, think about a building. I don't know if there's any construction workers in here. I'm not. All right, Dan, so you correct me if I'm wrong. But every building that's going to be built properly has to have a foundation that is properly poured, right, in order for you to start putting that structure on top. Amen. There you go. See? That foundation is Jesus Christ. <laughs> that foundation is Christ. Everything that we do here at Allentown Hope is built on that foundation, the person and work of Jesus Christ. This is not Pastor Emmanuel's ministry. That's kind of a pet peeve of mine when I hear people talk that way. And I know they, they don't always mean that in a derogatory way. You know, our pet peeves aren't always biblical. I understand that. But when I hear people say, you know, Pastor Clark's ministry, it's not your ministry, man. You ain't die on a cross. This is Jesus' ministry. <laughs> this is not built on man. So that rock-solid foundation is the person of Jesus Christ, his work on the cross, his work in salvation, his work in making us more like him through the word and through the Holy Spirit. Everything we do at Allentown Hope better be built on that foundation. Not the fame and fortune of man. So many pastors, it's about building their career. No, this is about Jesus, man. That's why we're here. <laughs> and and, and so, so Paul, he paints this beautiful picture. He said, look, I came and... In, in building, as a master carpenter, I laid the foundation for which everything else could be built on. And that foundation was Jesus Christ. How do we know that we are functioning as God's church? Because we don't move from that foundation. We don't move from that foundation. It's Jesus Christ. 
proclaiming him, provoking one another to grow in him. It's all about him. It's not about us. Notice what he says. Someone else is now building upon it, but take care how he builds upon it. What is he getting at there? The foundation has been laid. Now, remember, uh, Paul was what was a missionary, so he would establish churches, but then he would travel and he would go different places, right? So what does he mean? Be careful how you build on what I laid. That's good. That's good, Dan. Slightest flaw, they're going to tear it up. You build the house on a rocky foundation, you're going to have problems. You're going to have problems, right? And, 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 And keep in mind what Paul was saying here. Now listen, be careful how you build upon it. How you build upon what? The foundation, which is who? Jesus Christ. Be careful what you're building on that. Are you building on this foundation stuff that has to do with you? Are, 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 are you building your own self-glorification on this foundation? It, like, like are, you, are you building on Christ? Watch this. Where everything that we do as a church, as a local called out group of people, because he's talking to believers who are in a church, it's everything that we're doing causing one another to be and act more like Jesus. Think about that. When's the last time you, and I'm talking you, not you in general, you here at Allentown. Just think about this. When's the last time we built on the foundation of Jesus Christ practically by encouraging one another in the faith, by saying something to a brother and sister, by calling them up, hey, how, look, can I pray for you? By exhorting them, hey, here's what God's sharing with me in the word. Can I share this with you? Like, this is kind of practically what it begins to look like. For what, for what purpose do we do that? Wait, I thought that was your job as a pastor. Yes, it's our job to preach and to build you up. But it's your job to build one another up in the faith. This can't be your only meal you're getting. How many of y'all eat once a week? Right? No, no. We give you the spiritual food to equip you to go out and keep feeding yourself spiritually. But then it can't stop there. Then it's about feeding one another, building one another up in the faith. So Paul says, be careful how each one builds upon this. For no one can lay a foundation other than which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So everything we do as a gathered out, called out group of people, the church, it needs to be all about, ultimately, the preeminence of Jesus Christ. The preeminence of Christ. I often say this to a a married couple that is a Christian couple. I often say this to the husband. How? Does your wife look more like Jesus Christ directly because of you? Let me ask. 
Let me ask that again. How is your wife loving Jesus more? Tell me in some practical ways how she loves Jesus more, how she's growing in her faith. She's being becoming more like Jesus. And, and we know it's the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of the word. We, we, we understand that. But partly why she's like that is because of something you, husband, are practically doing. If a husband is loving his wife as Christ loved the church, he ought to be looking more like Jesus because of his actions. Ooh, that's convicting. That's convicting. If Pastor Emmanuel and I are doing my job that God has called us to do as shepherds, you ought to be looking more like Jesus. Not feeling good about yourself. Oh, I'm so, I'm, so, I'm, I'm so encouraged today. That just made me feel good today. I'm not interested in that. I'm not interested. I mean, I don't want you to feel bad, but that's not my role as a shepherd to make you feel good. My role as a shepherd is to exhort you to be like Christ. Do you see the difference, guys? So notice, notice this next image that now he goes into, again, the image of a building, but now even more kind of specifically is going to talk about a temple as the building. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. There it is again. You lay that first stone properly so all the other ones know how to line up. In whom the whole structure being joined together. Now, hope this is what this is what we ought to be doing grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Wow. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by or through the Spirit. Now, he's saying a lot here. But he's dealing with the analogy or the metaphor of a building again. But now he's taking this building and making it specific to the temple. Now, Pastor Man was going to do a lot more on the temple and the dwelling, right? He said, sure, okay. So he can just throw stuff back at one another, right? But you know how important the temple was in the Jewish mindset? Going all the way back to the Old Testament, to the tabernacle. And then eventually the temple that was built. But now he's saying what? You are the temple of God. Can you imagine how, how radical this would have been for a Jew to hear this? Where they knew that God's presence, Yahweh's presence was in the temple. And then... Yahweh's ultimate presence was in the Holy of Holies that only the priests could go once a year. 
So it was a it was a symbol of God's presence in this structure. Thousands of years later, or hundreds of years later, he now looks at his people and says, You're the temple. Whoa! Know you not that your body is the temple of God? It is God that dwells in you. Now, now I hope you feel the weight of that. It's almost like, are we representing God well? (laughs) When people walk into this place, would they say, surely the presence of the Lord is in this place? And not just because of a worship service going on, but the way the individual believers interact and love one another. There's something supernatural about it. Is that hope? Is that hope? Or are we just another group of people that gather and we leave and and, and that's it? Look Look at what he says here. In whom, verse 21, the whole structure being joined together grows. There it is. We're growing. None of us have arrived. We never will until Christ comes. Amen? But we ought to be looking more like Jesus in every area of our life. We're on different phases, right? You you might be struggling with this. I'm struggling with this. You might still have a problem with anger. You got a problem with this. This person, okay, we're we're all growing. But we're still the family of God because of Christ. And as we're growing together, look what happens. Being joined together, we're growing into a holy temple. Wow, that's a beautiful picture. In the Lord. Perfect? No way. Your brothers and sisters in Christ going to get on your last nerve? You're going to come in and see somebody sitting over there and say, I think I'm going to sit over there. Yep. We're still sinners. <laughs> but, folks, if we understand what God has called us to be, it ought to motivate me to walk over to my brother and say, can we talk? I've had an issue with this. Oh, what's going on? Right? Like, is the love of Christ enough to cause me to do that with him? Or am I just saying, well, I'm just, I'm not going to talk. I'm just saying, hold on. You're the temple of God. You don't have the option not to make it right. You're the temple of God. We are the temple of God. And again, think about, think about the temple in the Old Testament. Could anybody go walking into the Holy of Holies? No. Matter of fact, they tied that string on that priest just in case he did something wrong and dropped dead. If they heard the bell stop ringing, they knew, pull him out. He did something wrong. <laughs> Next, who wants to be the priest? I'm good. I'm good. Now, now, now the, the idea is this. If we understand that picture of the holiness of God in his temple, how much should we be striving not to earn God's favor because you and I can't, but we already have his favor because of Jesus. So how much more should I be striving to have this temple represent 
the holiness, the love, the kindness, the grace of God. How much more? And that comes out relationally. How we treat one another. I often wonder, what is God going to say about this local temple that is supposed to be representative? When God looks at how we love on one another, how we pray for one another, how we care for one another, how we're using our giftedness, I often wonder, what would God say about this temple? And every called out group of believers is part of the temple of God. Peter goes on to say that we are what? Each and every one of you are a stone. There's the analogy again, a metaphor again, a living stone building up, making his temple. Guys, I said last week, and I hope and pray that you're starting to feel the weight of the church, the enormous responsibility that God has put on his called out people. It's so much more than just going to church. It's so much more than just going to church. Again, as we come to 22, in him, and that's the key, right? In him, you are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Man, can, can you imagine that in the darkness that that we see in our culture. And it's getting darker and darker. And by the way, we shouldn't be surprised at that. Jesus warned us. The days are going to get wickeder and wickeder and wickeder. I'm not concerned about that. Jesus told us that was going to happen. I'm not going to be able to hold back that. He said it's going to happen. What I'm more concerned about is that the church is what the church is supposed to be. Because as the dark gets darker, the light shines brighter. I'm more concerned about us. Because when the world starts getting darker and darker, and people are empty, and people are desolate, and people are like, what's the point? And then they bump into the church, and they see light and hope. Right? Because of Jesus. What a message. We have the only message that can answer the darkness. Don't get discouraged by the darkness you see. Jesus said, what? In this world you will have trouble, but what? I've overcome the world. Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. Satan may be the god of this world, but he's the god of this world, I like to say it this way, on a chain. He's not omnipresent, omnipresent. Potent, what's the word? You know that word, all-powerful. No, no, God is sovereign. God is sovereign. And I think one of, the, one of the dangers that Christians, we can get so involved on the headlines and what's happening, and we need to know what's happening. Don't misunderstand me. You need to know where the culture is, okay? But you don't get immersed in that and start to lose hope and allow fear to come in. God is on the throne. Remember what we said in this series? I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. He did not say the gates of hell would not try. They will not prevail. 
You look at the persecution, the blood of the martyrs. Oh, the gates of hell tried. They tried, but they didn't prevail because the church is still in existence. And it's going to keep on growing. Why? Because God is sovereign and God's ruling. You're not going to stop this lion. It's going to keep going. But part of that, part of that outworking starts with us, this called out group. And every called out group of true believers that have been left here on this earth to be the light, to use your gift set, to build one another up in the faith, to proclaim Jesus Christ. See how important the church is? This is God's work. This is God's design. All right, let's get ready to wrap up. Let's look at one more verse here. 1 Peter 2, 4 and 5. We've already made reference. As you come to him, a living stone. Again, you see the building analogy, but this time specifically the temple. A living stone rejected by men. Who is that living stone? Jesus. But in the sight of God, chosen and precious. I love that. Man rejected Jesus, but he was in God's sight. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Chosen and precious. And now notice what he says in verse 5. You yourselves, like living stones, he's talking to the believers, are being built up as a Spiritual what? House. Dwelling place. Wow. To be a holy priesthood. To offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Do you hear the temple imagery? Every Jewish person would have understood temple priesthood, and sacrifices. They did it for hundreds of years. And now, now because of Christ, he says, you are the holy priest. Did you catch that? We are the holy priesthood. Do you see the weight of that? Well, wait a minute. Wait, what? Me? No, not me. Yeah, you. You are a royal priesthood. Oh, man, well, what am I supposed to be doing? Offering lambs to God? No, that's what they did in the Old Testament. Offering what? What does he say? Spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. What a beautiful picture. Are we doing that as hope? Spiritual sacrifices. We come together as his people. Each and every one of you are a stone that makes up his dwelling. He dwells among us. He gives us gifts. Right? We talked about that. We'll unpack that later. He gave us all gifts. Now, oh, look at this gift. To do what? Offer back to him in spiritual sacrifice. It's a beautiful picture. And as all of us are doing that, what's happening? The house is being built. Built. Stronger. Stronger. Looking more like Jesus. More like Jesus. Is that happening at Hope? Is that happening here? Man, we got to feel the weight of this. How important was God's temple in the Old Testament? How important was it? It was very important. Because it was pointing to something 
that was fulfilled in Jesus, which you and I are now that temple. How are we handling that? I hope and pray that God opens up our understanding to this so that we can say, Allentown Hope Community Church, we are indeed a holy priesthood, and we are offering up spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God because of what Christ has done on our behalf. God, I pray for us. It is so easy just to do church, and it stops at, it's Sunday, it's time to go to church. But Father, it is so much more than that. The importance of this gathering this way and worshiping you, it holds so much importance, Father. And I pray that you will continue to open up our understanding. Give us understanding. Lord, we want to be your church as you've designed it to be. More than just a gathering, but Father, practically doing the things that you've called us to do. Loving one another, building each other up in the faith, using our gift set, Father, so that your presence would be seen, that your glory might be displayed through Allentown Hope. Oh, God, continue to give us wisdom. We know, Father, at the end of the day, we can amen these truths, but, God, we need your grace to walk in them and to make the changes in our lives so that we fall in line with the purpose and design of your church, each and every one of us fully understanding and grasping on what we ought to be doing, Father. Lord, we want our lives, we want this place and all that we do here to be acceptable to you, God. We want to please you, Father. We want to know that, God, you are well pleased with us, God, as we strive to live out the church's mission the way that you've designed it. So, Father, please work in our hearts. Open up our eyes. Father, may we just have a greater love for Jesus Christ, a greater love for your people, a greater love for your church, whom you died for. So, Father, we praise you. We thank you so much for our time together. In Christ's name.